Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Alex Toth, General Manager of Home Builder Partnerships at Open Door, to talk about home builder sentiment, which builders are winning in this market, if any, and what we can expect in 2023. Alex, welcome to the Housing Wire Daily Podcast. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Uh, very excited to be here. Uh, I'm excited to have you. We know that home building is like a very important topic and really timely right now. So the first thing, though, I wanted you to kind of introduce yourself to our audience and tell us, you know, a little bit. You're the general manager of Home Builder Partnerships at Open Door. What does that mean? <laughs> Great question. So at Open Door, we are really building a single solution um, to for customers to buy and sell a home digitally and on demand. And so really what we started out at is as is a place where you could go and sell your home directly to us online. You enter your address, answer a few questions about your home, and then we give you an all cash offer on your home very, very quickly. And with that, we became a, a contingency solution for, for home builders. So I think the easiest way to think about it is in the context of a customer, they walk into um, a home builder community, whether that's Lennar, Pulte, Meritage, et cetera, they find a home that they love, that sales associate then says, hey, why don't you get an offer from Open Door? Um, if that offer works, it allows the customer to transact um, much more quickly with that home builder um, and then not have to, to carry two mortgages. They can stay in their home their entire time their new construction home is being built and then have an easy simultaneous close. And so I handle everything related to acquiring those partnerships, our product, our field team, um, and how we, we operate um, within the home building landscape. Well, it seems then that you're the perfect person to uh, talk to about what's going on with home building. So, of course, we just got the builder sentiment for November was, you know, expectedly, uh, you know, very poor. So let's talk about that. So it hit its lowest level since June 2012 outside of the pandemic numbers. So love to dig down a bit into the details of that report. Yeah, definitely. And just so we're all on the same page here, that report's based on a survey, a monthly survey of NAHB members. And really, it's designed to take the pulse of the single family housing market. So the survey asks um, respondents basically to rate market conditions for the sale of new homes, basically now for the next six months, and then the, the traffic of buyers of those homes. And to your point, it, it did fall to uh, 33, which was kind of a, a low for the year, which we started out the year at, at 83, which is a really great rating. So essentially a number of 50 indicates, or sorry, a number uh, below 50 indicates that builders basically view conditions uh, as poor rather than good. And obviously the, the inverse, if it was above 50, would mean most builders are seeing that conditions are, are good for sales. And all three of those components that I just discussed fell in November, um, which means that we're seeing pretty tough sales conditions right now. We're seeing tough sales conditions in the future. And we really do expect that traffic is going to continue to be very, very poor for those builders. And we have, to your point, a wide purview in the market. And we have partnerships with builders across 53 markets that we operate in. We, we talk to thousands of sales associates at any given time. And really, this backs up what we're hearing anecdotally from those sales associates that not only are their sales bad, 
but there really is no traffic. There is no one coming in to, to even look at those homes. And, and kind of in the report, uh, with the release of the report, Jerry Conter, the NAHB chairman, said that higher interest rates have significantly weakened demand for new homes as that traffic is becoming scarce. And I think it's what we're all seeing, right? And I think some, some folks on your, your show this week talked about it. These higher mortgage rates are just really pricing folks out of, of homes, whether that's new construction or resale. So we saw those purchase applications drop 41%, and there's now fewer applications than we, we saw at the bottom of the 2008 crash. So overall, it's, it's a pretty difficult report, definitely a difficult time for home builders. But I think we're, we're viewing this, and, and all of us are viewing this in the lens that historically, we have been underbuilt for the past 15 years. There's still a demand for housing. There's still a lot of folks who want to uh, buy housing. There's still a lot of um, household formation. But buyers are just sitting on the sidelines because of those higher interest rates and, and a lot of the market uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise. As I said, we know that, you know, whether you're a real estate agent, home builder, um, mortgage lender, in title, in appraisal, this is a rough market. And so not surprising at all, but would love to know if they're, you know, from that report, but also just from working with builders um, across the country, are there, are there regions where, you know, things are going better than others? Like if you were looking at uh, region wise, you know, what's doing worst, uh, what's doing best and what are some that are just holding steady? Yeah. So, so there definitely is a, a, a wide range of, of how each regions uh, are performing, even in this market, and, and really looking at it through the lens of kind of historically being underbuilt. Um, we know that we're anywhere between three and five million units of housing underbuilt, depending on what survey and, and what market commentator you look at. Um, but that does vary widely, right? Not all markets are underbuilt, but the U.S. is underbuilt as a whole. So I think when you look at the, the best region, if you could have one, um, it is really, you know, the South and the Southeast. And I think that the reason for that is um, COVID was just this absolute anomaly that that shifted a lot of things around. And prior to COVID, the Southeast was booming, right? It was a, it was a big net new labor market. You had a lot of folks leaving the, the Midwest and the, and the Northeast. Um, a lot of my family left from, from the Midwest down to, to greener pastures and warmer weather down in Charlotte, um, you know, Atlanta is another big net in-migration um, market prior to COVID. You know, Microsoft announced a, a large office there. So you see a lot of these, these labor centers moving to the southeast. And um, I think that kind of post-COVID reversion to the mean means that those markets are still really doing well. Um, when we look at the worst markets, it does tend to be kind of out in the west. Um, some of those markets that were definitely a kind of COVID run-up market, right? Phoenix, Boise, those types of markets where a lot of folks um, went out there, you saw really, really aggressive run-ups in, in pricing. And so that pricing, those labor demands, and, and obviously the increased mortgage rates really just led to some, some kind of unaffordability issues that we're seeing today. That simply means that buyers are walking from, from deals and, and that's really impacting a slowdown in, in the West. Um, holding steady is really the, the Northeast and the Midwest. So these are areas that kind of see that slow and steady growth or not that same net in migration um, for, for net new labor markets like the Southeast. So where you do have building in, in the Midwest, places like Columbus and Indianapolis, 
those are really just slow and steady growth that kind of didn't have a, a large swing in COVID. Um, obviously, they're impacted by inflation and, and rising mortgage rates, but they do kind of just have that um, slow and steady marching forward growth and, and are remaining that way post-COVID. That makes so much sense. I mean, and also you just don't have a, a booming building market in, say, like the Northeast, at least that I'm aware of. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong there, but, you know, it, there, are, there are geographic big, you know, features of the uh, West and Southwest and South that just, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of land. You can spread out, you can sprawl, and you just don't have that in a lot of, you know, areas of the country. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and and that's really what's happening is, is those markets are kind of these, these newer markets, the Sunbelt markets are where you see a lot of that, that concentration of, of building. Um, and so kind of now what we're, we're looking at is how, what's happening with, with cancellations in a lot of those markets. Right. And so really the Southwest, particularly Texas um, is getting really, really hit hard with cancellations. And, and nationally, we're seeing that cancellations are essentially double what they were a year ago. Um, the, the latest report from John Burns in, in October uh, has that at a new high of, of 26%. And so right now, customers are kind of sitting on the sidelines. They're, they're seeing a buildup of inventory. They're seeing, you know, interest rates remain really high. And if you're sitting in one of these markets and, and you see a home sell for you know five percent less than the home that you're in contract in, you're walking away, and that's that's adding to that buildup of inventory. And so the Southeast and Florida, they're they're the lowest, but they're still seeing some really high um, cancellation rates in the kind of nineteen to twenty percent range from that same report. But I think really what we're seeing is just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of um, uneasiness about the, the future that um, we're going to continue to watch um, in, the, in the coming months. Wow. That is just, you know, the, that kind of cancellation has got to be just hard for anybody's business. Um, are, you know, when we think about this, Mark, are, are there any home builders that you could say are winning in this market? And, and would you say that's because of maybe where they're located or what kind of building they do? <laughs> Winning is is definitely uh, you know an interesting term here. I think it's it's who is who is doing the best given the circumstances, and there are definitely a lot of folks who are um, being successful in this environment. And I think that the biggest thing is is affordability, right? And we we talked about household formation. Um, the millennial generation is the largest generation. We're and the, the millennial generation is really coming into its own in, in household formation. And you're seeing a lot of first time buyers come into the market. And so if you're able to figure out how to sell homes affordably, um, you're going to be winning in this market. And so we see builders like Meritage. They're a great example um, with their Live Now brand have, have really found ways to have some of those cost efficiencies and and sell a great home at a, a great price and, and really capture a, a good share of, of those um, first-time buyers. The other thing that we're seeing in this market are, are folks, uh, builders who are doing uh, creating spec homes. So essentially, you know, for our listeners, you have uh, a new construction home where you're going, you're buying land, you're building that home, you're picking out all your features. And then a lot of builders are simply saying, hey, we're going to just build a home. We're going to make that home available. It'll have great features that we've picked out. And then that home's ready for folks to move in. 
in that 30 to, to 60 day timeline. And what we're seeing is with that 30 to 60 day timeline, particularly now uh, as we come up to the end of the fiscal year for most builders, they're able to offer incentives, uh, lock in mortgage rates, um, have kind of end of year sales and really help educate those customers that, hey, we know interest rates are high. We know there's uncertainty. It's still a great time to buy a house because of the undersupply issue that we've seen historically. That leads me to kind of one other other point, which is really, I think, the past few years, it's been a really boom time for home builders where they've had more buyers than they have had uh, homes to sell. And so really, I think it got easy for, for a lot of builders to simply kind of rest and, and have that traffic come in. And we're seeing builders who have great training programs, folks like Pulte and Lennar, who are getting back in and saying, hey, you have to be selling in this environment. You have to be that industry expert talking to your customers about the um, various um, mortgage solutions, the various incentives, uh, programs like Open Door, right, where, where if you have a home to sell, you can sell that home really easily and really quickly. And it's not maybe the, the traditional pain that you thought of when moving into a new home. Those are, are, I think, the builders who are doing well in this environment. And then really the last piece is, is just kind of the, the national builders, right? They have economies of scale. They're able to kind of um, have some of those cost efficiencies. And if they're you know tied to the West as well as the, the South and the Midwest, they're kind of able to have a, a portfolio balance of their homes and still do well. Whereas if you're, you're concentrated in the West right now, um, that's going to be really difficult, right? We've, we've seen uh, builders in, in Boise, which was really, I think, kind of the, the peak COVID market in terms of net in-migration. Um, those builders in Boise have had to start to, to look at, at layoffs and, and really walk away from land deals. So I think it's, it's really a mix of affordability, being able to have spec homes to leverage those um, incentives and, 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 you know, mortgage uh, buy-downs and rate locks. Um, and having a national presence uh, should help you be successful in this environment. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think I saw yesterday um, a San Francisco area home builder, Vive, um, was announcing layoffs. And, you know, to your point, I, d- I don't know that much about that home builder, but you would think that, you know, somebody like Lennar, Pulte, you know, just a, a more national brand is going to have more, um, you know, room to room to figure it out. Um you know, as opposed to like the the local home builders. Yeah, and, and that's exactly exactly what we're seeing. And you know, I think it's interesting. I, I didn't know that about Vive, and Vive's a really innovative company um, that actually um, Lenex, who's uh, was initially one of our investors, they're kind of the strategic investment arm of Lenar, uh, made an investment in Vive, and they're really kind of a, a modular solution, which I think is is an exciting. Um, innovation for the industry, right? Where it's these kind of really high performance panel walls that can be shipped to build sites. And that's one of the methods that builders are looking at for ways to reduce costs, right? I think what we see in these construction costs and and why homes are so expensive today is because every element of, of building that home is getting more expensive. So it's not just the fact that your land is more expensive. It's also your materials are more expensive. And there's been a labor shortage um, nationwide in the construction industry. So with that, 
your your labor has gone up tremendously if you're a home builder and your input costs into your home are much, much higher than they've been traditionally. And now you couple that with um, these rising interest rates and it really is an affordability crunch in a lot of markets. So I think hopefully um, if there are some layoffs, we're kind of able to reallocate that that labor across markets and continue to build um, you know, new construction homes and, and new homes to, to cover that housing shortage. The problem is recruiting folks to build homes right now is, is a pretty tough endeavor. Um, you know, a lot of younger folks do want to go into remote work. Um, it's, it's a very manual labor, very intense labor. Um, so that, that construction um, labor pool shortage is definitely something that's going to be a concern for, for builders and something that I hear from pretty much every uh, building executive that I talk to that they just don't know where this labor is going to come from. So if we do see a little bit of slowdown, um, hopefully that does help um, land costs get in line, labor costs get in line. And uh, obviously, if we're, we're not building as many homes, we'll, we'll see those building materials hopefully drop in price as well. You know, the last two homes I've uh, I've bought have been in new construction neighborhoods. So the first one was a spec home. Um, this was about four years ago, five years ago um, in Texas. And I bought a spec home, and but yet they were still building the houses across the street from me. And then I'm in a almost brand new area here in Kansas that I moved to um, in the summer. And we're the first one on our street. So I'm seeing home building all around me. And it is striking to me. I mean, the, the modular system, you know, pr- you know, pre-built, however you, manufactured, however you want to say it, it has to be more efficient than what I see all day long for the last couple of years where you're just like there. It is crazy to me that you you do a stick built from the ground up uh, on site completely, you know, from scratch. Um, you know, obviously they're they're doing a lot of efficiencies and how they're ordering things and what kind of, um, you know, you know, it's not all completely new homes or whatever. But it just strikes me that there is plenty of efficiencies to be found still. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, why you're still seeing that is despite the the inefficiencies or, or perceived inefficiencies or, you know, just like you said, looking across the street from your home in Kansas and saying, there's got to be a better way to do this. It still is a lot more cheaper and uh, cost effective for builders to build homes that way than to ship a lot of these pre-built panels out and install those um, at the home site. And we're seeing innovation there, uh, which, again, I think this all ties back to this NAHB report and, and bringing homes, uh, home prices down and, and, and being in a market where home prices are coming down to, to hopefully get that sentiment back up. But there is, there is a lot of interesting innovation out there. And I think that's going to be um, kind of key to watch as we look at this hand in hand with the labor market moving forward. Um, Lennar is a, a great example of this. They have um, uh, a partnership with a company called Icon, where they're actually 3D printing homes. And uh, I believe their their first 3D printed home community was in Austin, Texas. Um, and, and my understanding is that that has gone really well. So I think it's a, kind of a, a continued balance of, you know, can we uh, afford to build homes uh, the way that we've been building them? And then in the meantime, trying to find innovation to make those homes 
um, more affordable moving forward. So um, really, really interesting stuff that's that's happening in the, the home building world. And hopefully uh, we, we get to a point where uh, we do have a, a balance of, of the labor markets to be able to build homes more affordably. I'm familiar with that icon community in Austin. That's something we've been watching really closely. And, you know, are there any other innovations that you see out there as far as like in the home building part? I mean, part of it to me too is like, we know that, you know, ESG concerns are huge and that the, and that home builders have really been in some ways on the forefront of some of those things, doing energy efficient homes, um, you know, trying to find that. But when you look at like building from the ground up, the way that I see, like, there's so much waste too. So um, once the home is built, it might be that you really have this energy efficient home. The process of the building seems to have a lot of waste involved. Yeah, I think, you know, we see, oh, I, I think you're, 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 you're keying in on the, the right things that customers want and why you would buy a new construction home. And uh, maybe after the show, we can we can talk about your your two homes in Texas and Kansas. I, I'd love to hear more about both of them. Uh, but I think you're seeing energy efficiency, and then a lot of these these health and wellness improvements, particularly post COVID. Um, you know, new methods of, of filtering air, um, and then also like green improvements where uh, they're much more uh, uh, water efficient. There's there's a company now that's basically recycling um, the gray water you know, water from your sinks and showers to, to flush your toilets and really improving just your overall kind of uh, carbon footprint, if you will, and, and your water usage in these homes. So I think those are really important things for customers. I think those are, are the two biggest things that we see. Pulte does a really fantastic job with, with energy efficiency. Meritage has, has been a leader in this space as well. So I think they're definitely pivoting and moving towards customers' uh, concerns. And then I think the the last piece that we talked about is that modular building companies like Vive, companies like Icon. And then you even see um, a lot of new companies popping up that are kind of starting in the ADU space, which is accessory dwelling unit, companies like Cover or Cottage that are basically figuring out how to build homes in a backyard in, in California or Texas, wherever they may be. And then kind of saying, okay, great, we've got this product perfect. Now we're going to go and do this for single family construction. So a lot of uh, great innovation coming up. But to your point, it's it's really about energy efficiency, uh, health and, and wellness and, and healthy living. Um, and then for builders being able to provide those homes to customers um, at a better price. You know, and this is the thing, like as consumers, we have to, you know, value these things enough to want to pay for them. Otherwise, there's less incentive, right, for builders or whoever we're talking about to do some of the improvements that we're looking for. So I think that's a really great point is like there has to be that balance of like they're they're delivering something that has a benefit to a home buyer. Like the home I bought in Texas was energy efficient to the extent that it was a it was a pretty big home, and you know, te uh, Texas, you have to run the air conditioner a lot in the summer. And we had um, it was part of the contract that in the first year we wouldn't have an electric bill over a hundred dollars. That's how energy efficient it was, and so that's a huge uh, selling point. You know, if you if you're going around looking at homes, and it's like in Texas, like a you know the home I had before that, you know, you could have five six hundred dollar electric bills in the summer. So you know that it that does give them something that like people are interested in that, and then it also, you know, spurs more more green ideas. So I, I think that's really interesting. The other thing I wanted to touch on was 
what you talked about that like, you know, in the past couple of years, home buyers did not need to worry about traffic or people wanting to buy homes. Like they were in the, they were in the, uh, in the catbird seat, right? I mean, they, they could kind of determine. Times were good. Times were very good. Times were so good. And (laughs) I don't think we realized, well, I think we realized, but I don't think we realized how quickly, um, it would come back. You know, if you, like I said, you, you look at the, the sentiment at the beginning of this year, that was a, a sentiment of 83, which the highest sentiment we've ever had was essentially 90 in, in 2020, right at the end of the year. So it's kind of been these two great years and, and really we thought everything would be good and it's, it's been a pretty steep drop off. So uh, definitely, uh, sorry, didn't, didn't mean to interrupt, but times, times were very good. Times were very good. And what, what we saw in that was that um, the relationships um, when times are good, you know, you don't have to worry so much about your relationships with referral partners, but as times get tougher then, and, and we do see that builders are doing more incentives, but they're also working with their real estate partners because like we, we published a story, um, on real trends back in October and it was called, we remember who pays us and we remember who doesn't. And it was talking to real estate agents who, you know, um, worked with home builders over the last couple of years who really, um, maybe felt uh, not like valued partners in some ways, as you can imagine from that title, from that headline. And now you think, um, you know, everyone involved in the real estate transaction from real estate agents to LOs to uh, home builders, anyone in this, their referral relationships are key. If you're going to get what little business there is out there, you've got to be, um, it, it's back to more of what we would see the traditional, you know, relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's, that is one of a number of, of challenges for, for builders, right? Is right now it's really understanding, um, when they do have such low traffic ratings and such a low sentiment on this traffic. And like I said, we're hearing that exact same thing. The folks who are coming in to buy a new construction home today, they're very, very serious buyers, right? Um, most folks are not out home shopping right now. So if you are home shopping, you have something that's that's happening in your life, your family's growing, your job's changing, whatever that might be, where you really have to buy a home. And so I think that comes back to some of the folk, uh, some of the, the things that we talked about earlier in terms of, of, of training, of understanding, hey, how do I meet these these customers' needs, right? And I think what buyers are looking at, what buyers are hearing is, you know, mortgage rates are, are obviously the big one and, and that's news everywhere. Um, but there's also a lot of uncertain build timelines, right? We're, we're still dealing with the ramifications of um, the COVID shutdown and, and the ensuing supply chain issues that have happened from that. And those supply chains are still held up. So if you talk to any builder, they're going to tell you, you know, two months ago, I couldn't get windows. Now I'm having trouble getting appliances, cabinets next month, whatever it might be. And I think in that environment, you really want to help your customer by giving them ease and convenience. And so I think there's there's a lot of, of ways that, that you can do that. You see a lot of folks that are, are moving towards a much more digital process, um, both, you know, Meritage and Pulte, I think, have a really, really great digital process for customers to, to buy with them. And then I think what we do is really bring in that that certainty for, for customers as well, right? Um, if you're moving and you don't know if your home's going to be finished in six months or eight months, 
that's really tough to be in short-term housing or, or to try to line up your sale. And so regardless of, of the market that you're in, I've, I've been at Open Door for, for six years. I've been working on the home builder uh, problem and, and, and building out our home builder team for five and a half years. And I think that's the, the key thing is that this is just going to continue to be a problem no matter what market that you're in, that you have to deliver this ease and convenience to customers. And so we see that kind of across the nation, whether it's a large home builder, small home builder, it's really hard to give customers a, a certain timeline right now. Um, and you really kind of want to do everything that you can to convert those, those customers that, that walk in your door. And that goes back to being an expert on, on you know, your incentives, your rate buy downs, your mortgage locks, and then solutions like Open Door to help get that customer across the line. Yeah, thanks for that insight. Uh, you know, in the last few minutes, I'd love to ask you about what is the forecast for the rest of this year and especially 2023? We know that mortgage rates, you know, look like they're going to continue to stay high, at least high compared to the last couple of years. What does that mean for home builders? Yeah, I think the the forecast for home builders are, are is pretty much a little bit more of the same, unfortunately. And and I think the the last few months are kind of an indicator of the, the forecast to come. And just looking back at um, what the the NAHB is is projecting is that you know we're going to see kind of home prices decline ten percent on a, a national basis next year, just due to the the weakness in construction and the buildup of inventory that that we talked about. That really kind of echoes everything else that we're hearing in the market. John Burns really uh, does a, a survey each month, and builders are basically expecting to see 9% lower sales in, in 2023, 9% fewer starts, 8% less closings. So I think we're, we're seeing kind of a, the ramifications of these interest rate policies, um, a buildup of inventory, and a lot of folks sitting on the sidelines. I think it is important to remember it's it's building is a really tough business. You're building on a nine to 12 month timeline and that's a really, really hard um, planning cycle, right? I think if you're if you're sitting here and trying to predict, okay, how many homes do I need to be building in, in nine to 12 months and we're going through market conditions like we're going through today where at the beginning of the year, everything was um, fantastic, as we said earlier, and now it's really, really difficult. That's what leads to that oversupply. So you see, you know, markets like Phoenix, Boise, Austin, that we're building on those those timeline, or sorry, building on the demand of, of, of folks pouring into the market from places like San Francisco and New York during COVID. And then as those folks go back, you can't just stop and say, okay, well, I'm not going to finish these homes, or I'm not going to build these homes. So you see builders walking away from lots. You see them pausing a lot of deals. And I think 2023 is, is going to be, or at least early 2023, um, is going to be a little bit more of the same. And we're going to continue to have to find uh, solutions and, and innovate our way out of this. Alex, thanks so much for being on today. Really appreciate it and appreciate your insights. And um, we'd love to have you on again, uh, maybe in the uh, next quarter to talk about where home builders are again. Great. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I, I appreciate the invite and uh, thank you for having us. How 
have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.